0: Welcome back to our classroom in this episode. I'm joined once again by Tiffany Jewell and we're gonna be talking about magnet schools. Yes indeed Tiffany is the black biracial number one New York Times bestselling and number one indie best-selling author of this book is anti-racist and the anti-racist kid. She is a twin sister, first-generation American, cisgender mama, an anti-bias, anti-racist educator who has been working with children and families for two decades. She lives on the homeland of Pecumtuk and Nipmuc with her two young storytellers' husband, a turtle she's been with since nine years old, and a small dog that has a big personality. Welcome once again, Tiffany Jewell. And so, let's... Let's move into part two of this interview. I want to talk about magnet schools because you address this topic in your book. And so, what what, what about magnet yeah. schools? You know, <laughs> why, why you talk about magnet schools? What's I the talk problem? About,
1: you know, and like I don't want to. What they do like with you? Huge... I went to a magnet school. So my elementary school was one of the first magnet schools in our district okay. because so. In the 19, 1954, right? Like segregation becomes illegal and we move to integrate schools. What happened was the move to integrate was focused primarily on the South, because the North is fine, but the wow. North wasn't fine. And so when it comes to the 1960s, they're like, oh, our schools are really segregated. Okay, they're just looking at schools too, by the way, and not looking at the neighborhoods. And the again, the impact of redlining that led us to these like neighborhood schools being super segregated. So in the 60s, in Syracuse, one of the things that they decided to do was to shut down some schools. And so there was one school, I can't remember the name right now, one school up near Syracuse University area that was Almost a hundred. It was like ninety-something percent black, and they had black administrator. They had black teachers. This might have been in the like later sixties and seventies too. And they shut the school down, and they sent all those kids to different schools in Syracuse. And so what that means is families and kids can't be connected to their neighborhood school anymore. And so they did that. That was their first wave of like integration was like shutting the blackest schools down and moving them into whiter schools. That didn't work. So then what they did was they asked teachers, they were like, anybody going to volunteer? And I think of like over 500 teachers in the district, nine volunteered. And a couple of them were black teachers, right? A couple of them were white. That wasn't enough. So they were like, okay, we're going to, we're going to do busing. white folks aren't going to volunteer to bust their kids in the black schools and neighborhoods because traditionally white neighborhoods and white schools have more resources, especially when you look at like Syracuse too and the redlining map, like mm-hmm. all of our like blacker schools were like the ones that were in our, the hazard neighborhoods. And so also neighborhoods that don't have a lot of homeownership. So there's not a lot of tax money going into those schools. So then finally they were like, we need to figure this out. Let's try magnet schooling because magnet schooling came about um in the st- late sixties, seventies as this kind of like new wave of like integrating schools. And so we had um, one of the schools, I, I grew up on the South side. And so a couple of our schools in the South side became magnet schools. And one of them, Opened up a full day kindergarten program, and they were like blown away by how many folks were like lining up to go to that school. And mm-hmm. a lot of white families needed that because they're working, right? They need mm-hmm. childcare for their kids too. And so they had that. There was a um, another magnet school that was maybe around language arts, and then my school became like the math science magnet school. And so I went to a magnet school, not realizing that I was a part of the integration experiment in our city you know or they would have if they didn't work they would have changed the ways they were but magnet schooling worked as a way to to integrate our schools a little more my school was Mm -hmm. still predominantly black and brown folks Um, but we had you know like we had some white kids busing in Um, I don't know who they were Mm -hmm. but (laughs) But most because most of the kids were neighborhood kids. Like we all walked to school. A lot of us walk to school. But um thinking of the school with a full day kindergarten program, they went from like 70% black to like over the course of two years to about thirty percent black. Which is like first I'm like, where did wow. all the neighborhood kids go? A lot of those kids I think came to our school. <laughs> Hi doggy. Oh, sorry, my dog just walked in.
0: <laughs> no, it's- So good
1: um and so that was like part of the whole like magnet schooling was fascinating to me because i was like i went to a magnet school but why was that important like i didn't realize why it was important other than like we got some extra math and science classes and so also when you look at like testing our school was labeled as like deficient with testing but not in math Mm. um but they were in language but that was like the focus right like They focused on how we were deficient in language scores. And then, you know, our principal had a a very clear program on how to like integrate some of the language work with the math and science and stuff. But then the school board didn't want to give them money to do those programs either. And you're like, okay, like, I don't understand how this is working. So magnet schools are fascinating to me because they came about as a way to integrate our schools. And now they're kind of like charter schools in a way, where you have to. Like, some of them have intense application pro, um process, and you know, neighborhood folks don't always get their like neighborhood school as their first choice. Um, and I I think that's a big problem. Like, for our family, we didn't look at it as my mom didn't look at it as a magnet school. Like, it was the school that she and her, she went to. You know, like it was their neighborhood school. There was no other school she would have considered because she had to walk us to school and then take the bus downtown to work like any other school we couldn't have gotten to she didn't want us on the bus when we were in kindergarten so um really looking at like magnet schools have really changed and are they serving the purpose of our schools being integrated and i'm going to say no because our schools are more segregated now than they were when we were there in the in as kids, I think segregation um, integration like peaked in the late eighties, early nineties, and then they started moving towards focusing on the achievement gap in schools instead of like still integrating our schools and neighborhoods. And I don't know how I feel like about all of that. I'm still figuring it out. I I don't like the achievement gap, the vernacular, but. There's, like I'm still processing a lot of stuff too.
0: No, there, there is a lot to process there. There is a lot to process there, and it's it is interesting to think about whether the Mag- magnet schools are serving their original yeah. purpose or not. Yeah, I, I do find it highly problematic that mm-hmm. individuals that live right in in the community, yeah. right where the schools are at, who have been there forever right do not have access to their local school
1: right like sometimes you just need to go to your local school because you need to be able to walk to school and walk Mm -hmm. home without like having your caregiver there but your neighbors are there to like see you on your way you know like Mm -hmm. sometimes that is like the most important thing for a family to have um and that isn't always the case anymore
0: so should we scrap magnet schools
1: no, I think it's really important to have different types of schools. um so the district I'm in now, we don't have magnet schools like it's small. We just have four public elementary schools, and then there's a bunch of private schools and uh, one or two charter schools. Uh, charter schools are like a whole other conversation too. Um I think magnet schools can be really powerful, like for me, I think going to a math science um magnet school like helped me to feel like a very confident kid in math and science which like traditionally a lot of females don't especially in the 80s like we didn't see a lot of female scientists mathematician or scientists or mathematicians and so like I grew up into really feeling really confident in math and science and I loved it and that was like what I pursued although like in high school I took all the like extra um science courses and I took advanced math like because it really grounded me and I loved it. Um, It just kind of made sense. And so I had a great experience in magnet schools, but I, I think we need to look at the purpose of them again and look at like how they are serving our communities. Are they serving our communities? And if the goal of magnet schooling was around integration in the beginning, how can it come back to that and not, like become this elite thing and turn them. they're like um, sometimes they feel like private schools um which is messed up <laughs> so i don't want to scrap them yet
0: just rethink them
1: yeah yeah and revisit
0: the purpose yes mm-hmm.
1: yep yeah and then you know f-
0: figure out well what are the what are the action steps that need to be implemented, right, f- for us to get closer to its original intent?
1: Yeah, yeah, and you know, a lot of that would look be like school c- boards and school committees looking to the community, like, what do you need for your children here in this district in this ward? What do your children need, mm-hmm. um, too? Because if you're not serving the community, like, I always think schools should be community centers. And they're not anymore. Um, At all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're closed. They're shut down, you know, after school. Like, they're not. So I mean, sometimes there are places where you can go and there's a craft fair. Or there's, like, another event going in. And you get to walk around, like, the high school or whatever. But they don't, like, COVID kind of shut parents out of schools. Caregivers, and it's. I schools are having a really hard time finding the balance of having caregivers back in school Mm
0: -hmm. too. Yeah, I have a a pending interview with AJ Crabhill, former Kansas City, Missouri school board chair and Mm -hmm. Texas Education Agency deputy commissioner, and he's got a book coming out titled "Great on Their Behalf: Why School Boards Fail." how yours mm. can be effective. Oh nice. And I'm I'm interested to hear from him and underst- there's some connections here that I that I think will be made between this yeah. interview and his interview because we don't talk about school boards enough. We don't talk about their responsibility. We don't Mm-mm. talk about the reality of school boards and how they right. impact w- what's happening with oh, our schools and with our communities. Yeah. And we definitely don't talk enough about who is serving, who's at the table, yeah, you know, who's at the school board table? yep, And do we have all the representatives at the table? Yeah, uh, are they really from the community, invested in right. the community and yep. making decisions for the betterment of the community?
1: right? Yeah, no, they're not. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite oh, it's not favorite, but one of the things I do is I'll watch our local school board meetings with like my checklist of the, like all the like tenants of the culture of white supremacy. Right. And then I'd be like, yep, here's fear. Here's perfection. Here's urgency. You know, it's one of those things where you're like, why are we still like moving in the interest of white domination? Mm-hmm. When, it, why are we not centering kids in our decision-making why are these meetings so late at night where kids like my kids can't attend them and they want to, they want to know what's going on. So there's a lot um, where like school board stuff, it just feels very inaccessible. Um, And, you know, maybe the meetings are public, but nobody knows when and where they are. Nobody's sharing that. Like, schools, like, the school principals often forget because they don't even know either, like, or, so.
0: It's a lot. It's a lot I'm there. looking
1: forward to that episode. And then yeah. I will forward it to all of our school board members.
0: <laughs> no, well, I'm I'm going to end up modifying my, my schedule here, and it's going to have to, this is going to have to be the next episode. It's going, it's, this is, there's a natural segue here between. What we're talking about right now with magnet Thanks. schools and and now school boards, and what AJ Crabbil has to offer, mm-hmm. and so let's 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 move into a couple of fun questions <laughs> that I have for you.
1: <laughs> I like the um, fun ones.
0: <laughs> you know, folks, listen. What I'm, I'm going to let you inside of our circle. All right, we we have a little text thread. We we have a group. Chat and in our group chat, we'll throw out songs of the day. All right. It's music, man, music as a way to just, you know, connect us all and, you know, help bring out the different things that we're feeling and whatnot. And so, music is definitely a, a part of our relationship. um Myself, Tiffany, Lorena, Daina Benitez. And so, that um, Tiffany, what Is your song of the day? I'm a
1: little embarrassed to share the song. So so first of all, Mary J. Blige's "Real Love" is always running through my head. (laughs) Roberto knows this. Yes, yes. (laughs) She has. She has stated. She
0: has expressed this before.
1: (laughs) It is always there, and it is what like drives me through, propels me through the world. But my youngest kiddo, he's six, has. He started creating this, um, he loves music, he loves singing, and he sings at the top of his lungs. It's beautiful. He's got a really beautiful voice, but he's been singing the Backstreet Boys, I Want It That Way.
0: Oh, wow. So I want it that way. Tell me why. It's like,
1: right? It's always in my
0: head.
1: <laughs> no, it's in his voice.
0: Aren't you so, so mad at him?
1: A little bit, but also who's the one that introduced him to it? So it's like my fault. Yes. <laughs> I've been like sneaking other things onto his playlist. So be like, can we listen to my playlist? <laughs> yeah. um, but I have to do it strategically, and so I'm like, okay, which boys to Men song am I going to put on this week? Like, which Rihanna song? Like so that's the one in my head I'm sorry it's not that fun or exciting oh,
0: true. <laughs> oh, like I'd
1: rather it be like a Jodeci song or something <laughs> <laughs> oh
0: wow well wow. all right what's well, in your head what's your um, song I well the thing is is it's not my song it's there's a couple songs that are stuck in my head, and I'm I'm really irritated with my kids, <laughs> and I'm irritated with my. I think it was my friend he Neva who put them on to this zombies movie. Mm. Um, it's so I think the movie's called zombie land. okay. And they got a couple songs. Like they they're very catchy. I'm not I'm not going front. They they're very catchy, but it's driving me insane. Like I can't even take it anymore. If my kids sing it, what? Like the next time they sing it, I might have to, I, I might have to like put them on timeout or something. I don't know.
1: Like, <laughs> I, I always go like, "Can you turn your volume down?" And then I just shut the door.
0: <laughs> not they. Not only do they not turn their volume down, but if if I shut the door, like. They are just gonna turn it up. Oh, sorry. You know, I feel like they're targeting me. They are. Have, have you ever <laughs> heard the story of the human and the zombie? I think I'm I sorry. heard it vaguely. It goes oh, like, I'm like, I know. You see what I'm saying? Like, like I'm gonna send it to you just to like. No, I feel like other people need to feel my pain. No, I feel thanks. like other people need to feel my. I'm I'm gonna send both of them to you. All right, I will send you a recording of I Want It That Way then. <laughs> I, I but think I, I you know, like I can't front, you know, like I, I think I could rock with that, you know, little backstreet. I, mean, I was more of an in sync guy. Yeah.
1: But you know. I was too, but listening to the two now, Backstreet Boys are better. They you were know, also more fair in like who got to sing.
0: You know that's a good that that aligns well with the work that we do with the equity work <laughs> that we do. You know, I know. I like I might have to go back and listen to some of their songs and give them yeah. some props.
1: I will say though that the song that was like, I listened to a lot of music while I was writing everything I learned about racism I learned in school. A lot of music that I listened to, like middle school, like when I was writing that section, I listened to the music I listened to middle school. But the like overarching song. Was the like juicy from Notorious B.I.G.? Mm. Like, that was the overarching song. That was a that, big song.
0: That was a big song.
1: It was a big song. And it just like, you know, in the very beginning, he's like, this album's dedicated to the teachers who told me I'd amount to nothing. Yeah. You know? Oh, that like, was
0: hard.
1: Right. And that was like,
0: hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we all
1: had those. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And we're like, immediately I'm hooked.
1: Yep. Yeah, like you and saying then,
0: the, you saying the thing I I want to be saying, I, yeah.
1: right? And the little chorus, like you know very well who you mm-hmm. are, and I was like, mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So reach Eight. for the stars. So good. Yeah, man, that was good. That was good. And yeah. that that song. See now, here we go. Now we in teacher mode. <laughs> That that song would pair well. Like if I'm in the classroom and I'm, you know, I'm teaching this stuff and I'm I'm teaching about like advocating for yourself and uh, addressing people that try to squash your dreams or whatever put you down. I would pair that with a song he had on his next album which is Sky's the Limit mm-hmm. featuring 112. You know. So it, it's that song sky's the limit and you know it can't be fun you're gonna keep pressing oh. on sky's yep. the limit and you know i just i remember big, the oh. video more than like. <laughs> <laughs> you have what you want be what you want have mm-hmm. what you want be what you want so i would pair that because it's it, it also just shows his trajectory you know and but and but even with his trajectory and success and whatnot like that he was still pushing that theme. It's like, nah, I'm pressing forward. I'm moving yep. forward. I'm achieving my goals. I'm going after my dreams, regardless of the yep. individuals, teacher or otherwise, yep. that, that are speaking against my potential, yeah. or regardless of the circumstances.
1: Yep. And then you compare that with the autobiography of Malcolm X.
0: Oh, my. Oh, wow. This is going all the way in. All the way in. Yep.
1: I'm just going to, like, stack it. You're like, I'm going to ease Lord. you in. And then we're going to...
0: Ease you in. Yep. <laughs> Lord. Wow, wow. That's good. Yep. yep. That's
1: good. I write about the autobiography of Malcolm X in this book and how I had a teacher in college. She was like, okay, we don't have a lot of time for the semester, so we're you can choose between reading this book, 500-something page book, or watching Thelma and Louise.
0: What? <laughs>
1: what? guess what my class of a whole bunch of white girls picked
0: um i'm guessing that Thelma and louise was an easier pick
1: yep yep wow i was so mad i was like you made me buy this book with like three hours of work study pay <laughs> you know
0: like, wow yeah good investment
1: yep i still have it i've read mm. it can't tell you how many times I've read it.
0: Powerful. Yeah. One of Lorena's yep. favorite favorite books. Um, and pff, yeah, one of mine too.
1: Yep.
0: Uh, that's okay. why I always
1: leave the light on, even when I'm not home. Leave mm, the bathroom light on. Like mm, he teaches us so many things. <laughs>
0: mm, wow. Oof. All right. Um, before we do like a whole episode on the biography of Malcolm X, uh, <laughs> no, I'm I'm writing it down for the next time. Um, if you had an opportunity to have lunch with any author that are alive that writes about schools and or racial justice, hmm. who would it be and why? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm modifying my stuff now. You know, like, I'm not giving y'all softballs anymore.
1: I know. I mean, I would love to become best friends with Dr. Beverly Daniel Tatum. Mm. And she's up in my area right now. Like, she's working at one of the universities. And I'm like, how can I just, like, I just need Mm. to show up on her door one day. Mm. I would love that because her work is so based in understanding the different developmental stages of children like her work really centers children
0: mm. um and so i like Yo, her book pair, would would pair well with your new book you know what i'm saying like why why are all while yep. the black kids sitting together in the cafeteria would likely pair well with everything that i learned about racism i learned in schools
1: yeah
0: yep. we yep. so, gotta we gotta make that happen
1: Yeah, thank you. (laughs) I will definitely like get like deliver, hand deliver a copy in a very non creepy, stalkery way. (laughs) So I would love to sit with her. Hmm. I think I think as long as I don't have to do most of the talking, I can just listen to her. (laughs) But I would also really love to have lunch with Danzy Senna, who wrote *Caucasia* and new people she is very like light black biracial too um and she's she's interesting and she, like her books are fiction but her book caucasia was the first book that i read when i was like in my early 20s where i saw myself yeah. and so i just love to like talk with her about experiencing the world through a similar lens
0: i, I see what you did tiffany you snuck in too
1: i did i am
0: not a rule follower no i i i I gathered i gathered and so i'm not surprised and you know one of the tenors of texture teaching is flexibility so yep yep i'm honored thank you thank
1: you for honoring honoring that that.
0: (laughs) so tiffany what's the message of encouragement that you have for the people
1: yeah I have a lot of encouragement. So (laughs) the thing is, I love working with children and, and their families because it's where the hope is. And so I guess like my message of encouragement is to like keep centering children and their families. Like don't leave the families out. I encourage you to center the families with the children and to build those like strong relationships because that's where like the constant hope and inspiration in our work is. And as soon as we start to leave them out, then we forget what we're doing and we might as well stop.
0: That's right. That's right. Keep the children and the families centered. Yep. Well, where can people follow you?
1: Um, Mostly on Instagram. I'm not on Twitter much at all. Um, I don't even know if I'm on Facebook anymore. <laughs> Instagram, my right now, my account is set to private um, because there were a lot of like bots coming in, and I was like, I don't want to deal with it. Um, but I do like go through it and confirm folks every now at, and then.
0: At Tiffany M Jewel, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And, and what does the M stand for? Michelle. Okay.
1: That's my middle name. Okay. I don't know how my mom came up with
0: that. <laughs> well, that—that's you got good fodder for conversation the next time you chop it up with mom. Yep. Tiffany, as always, a pleasure. Wow, you, you gave Do us you so much, me... so much to unpack here. Listen, I, I jotted down some notes. Okay. We have some further episodes that we're going to have to dig in. Absolutely. So we're going to have to... You know, once I once I do the interview with A.J. Crabhill, I might have to have both of y'all on at some point to talk about school boards and talk about magnets. And we're definitely going to have to have a conversation about the autobiography of Malcolm X. Absolutely. And we're just going to. I don't even know where we're going to start and where we're going to finish, but we're going to do some some, some picking apart. We're going to do some picking apart and making some connections with what we're experiencing today because there's Malcolm X gave us so much, so much to to learn from. yeah. And obviously there's, there's much happening today that's, you know, connects with his message. And so Uh, interested interested to dig in to that wonderful literary work um, by this influential and powerful man but also to continue learning from you in our classroom thank you Tiffany
1: thank you for having me this has been fun
0: yes 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 we're going to do it again as always your engagement in our classroom is greatly appreciated be sure to subscribe rate the show and write a review finally For resources to help you understand the intersection of race, bias, education, and society, go to multiculturalclassroom.com. Peace and love from your host, Roberto Germán.